0: We found ourselves in a warm kitchen. Light from a candle on a small table flickered over the wall. I saw a crusty loaf of bread on the sink counter, a carving knife beside it. I saw a big black pot simmering on a wood-burning stove. It sent a sweet, tangy aroma floating through the room. I didn't have time to see anything else. As I took one step into the small kitchen, a figure burst in from the back room. A very large woman wearing a long, flowing grey dress. She had flashing, bright green eyes. Blonde bangs fell across her forehead, and long braids hung down from the sides of her round-cheeked face. She wore a helmet over her head, a cone-shaped helmet with two horns poking up from the sides, like a viking from long ago, or someone in an opera. Her arms were big, with powerful muscles. She had sparkling rings on every finger. A round, jeweled medallion swung heavily over her chest. She dove quickly past Marissa and me, her green eyes wild, her mouth twisted in an evil grin. She slammed the cabin door shut pressed her back against the door. I've caught you, she shrieked.
1: Hello. And welcome. To Say Podcast and Die. The podcast where two queers sit in their closet and tell you about Goosebumps. We sure do. I'm Andy. I'm Alyssa. And we are here to talk to you today about Goosebumps number 47, Legend of the Lost Legend. One of the best titles in the series, am I right, Alyssa? I would disagree, but, you know, (laughs) you're entitled to your opinion. Entitled... (laughs)
0: <laughs> and uh what do you think of the cover um you know it's not one i would have been drawn to as a kid we have a lady who looks like she's come straight from a wagner opera she's got a viking helmet two long blonde braids she's got her arms crossed and is looking very i'd say dis- disapprovingly at us she's very very buff mm-hmm. she's got meaty arms and legs she has her foot uh, her sandaled foot on a silver chest that's sticking up out of some snow and in the background, we've got some foresty trees and a purple pink sky.
1: You know who she looks like is... And so I also wouldn't have been interested in this one as a kid because it looks a little bit silly, mm-hmm. but she looks, I was thinking like a Cabbage Patch kid or more accurately, like a Garbage Pail yeah. kid. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I see it. Yeah. Something about the little button nose and drawstring mouth. Yeah. As we've mentioned before, though, Tim Jacobus does a great job on the background details. The sky looks really cool and twisted trees and everything. So way to go. Way to go, Tim. Bird's eye view of the plot? Sure. We have a couple of kids, Justin and Marissa Clark. They have a bad dad who is a folklorist. He calls himself a writer, but most of what he does is find other people's stories and write them down all over the world. And he takes his kids with him. And they're in Brovania. Yeah. like bro plusvania they are looking for the lost legend which is a manuscript that has been lost for 500 years they go looking for it dad just goes to sleep and the kids end up getting a note from this dog in the middle of the night that says that the dog can help them Takes them on a series of misadventures. This woman named Ivana, she has a really fucked up relationship, at least it appears at first, with a man called Luca, who's like a wild man of the forest raised by wolves type of thing. Mm-hmm. A super hairy guy who she treats as kind of a servant. And he takes the kids to go look for the lost legend. A bunch of hijinks occur. It turns out Ivana's a robot. <laughs> Luca's actually in charge. He's just pretending to be a hairy beast. These are his lands, and he's trying to protect them. It's also everything's fake. Like, everything's made out of plaster. It's kind of Shocker on Shock Street Mm -hmm. situation. Luca says, okay, well, here's, here's what you sought. It's a bit of a fake out. He gives them a different treasure that people are looking for which they don't want they bring it back to their dad and he's like no i want the legend so they go back to luca luca says oh that uh yeah there's these other people that have it here's where you can find them so they go to find them and and the people are like yeah take this legend go right ahead it's all yours and then they leave because the reason that it's called the lost legend is because whoever bears it will be lost forever and so now this family of three is lost forever yeah until they can sucker someone else into taking the legend, <laughs> which is a bummer of an ending. Yeah, it was it was
0: dark. I was surprised.
1: I went into this story expecting not to like it at all, mm-hmm. and then I really enjoyed it. It went to some strange places. Mm-hmm. It re- reminded me tonally of Cats of Ulthar, where you're like, this is weird. <laughs> you really, your mind went places when you wrote
0: this. <laughs> I had no idea where this was going. And there were a couple of pl- things where I thought, oh, I can see what's coming. Anna couldn't. So it's a credit to Arl Stein. Yeah, he really uh, dug deep. Mm-hmm. So we open with Justin and his sister Marissa dog sledding in Antarctica looking for their dad. They're lost, can't find their parent. They get separated when the dogs take off, and Justin falls, and they see this mysterious blue sea lion. And then the ground seems to split
1: open, and they're just drifting off
0: into the ocean.
1: And at this point, I was like, this is an amazing Goosebumps book. Yes. We're starting in Medias Res. We're in Antarctica. Like, now we've been to so many continents. Oh, the poor dogs are having to swim in the Antarctic Ocean. This is terrifying. Yeah, I was like, this is real danger. Yeah, I was so excited about where this book was going, mm-hmm. and then I turn the page.
0: Yeah. It's a story that their dad is telling them before they settle into bed while they're camping in the forests of Brovania.
1: So my uh, note here says, in all caps, fuck you, Stein. <laughs> I in don't my, mean it, but you Mine know. says, ugh, it's a fake out. Although it was a good one, I It have was to a say. really good one. It was. I was just so excited for the story it was going to be. Yes. Oh, and also we
0: start in third person, and then then we switch into first person mm. because the whole time it's been their dad telling the story. Right, yeah. And then we switch into Justin's perspective. Which That's right. It was interesting.
1: Yeah, I thought so too, especially for someone who is so over-identified with his dad. Yeah. So dad says, oh, I'm tired. Let's finish the story another night. And he says he doesn't know what happens next, but he might dream of an ending. So he very much has a sense of himself as a vessel that stories pass through. Mm. He's a the opposite to R.L. Stein, where
0: R.L. Stein would say in his master class that he got to start telling his brother stories and then to basically
1: build tension. to would be like, I'm tired. Good night. Do you think this is an R.L. Stein stand-in character? I don't know. Because if so, this is a bit of a confessional about what kind of dad <laughs> he hopes not to be, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it is. Well, dad is terrible. And looks like a brown bear, it says. He does. So they're
0: camping. And then as they're going to bed, Justin bumps into the... He knocks over the kerosene lamp. And he says that the Entire tent goes up in flames. It turns out it's just his imagination, and the sort of tent wall is a little scorched. But this made me very worried that this was going to be a totally unreliable narrator situation. Yeah. And you know, who knows, maybe it is, but luckily we didn't get the, and it was all a story I made up.
1: Well, and then it's an interesting thing happens where Justin points out that the tent really burns quickly, and dad's like, No, it doesn't, and everything's fine. He's like annoyed that they. Pointed out they're in a fire hazard.
0: And he takes this time to grumble about how unhelpful they are. He told them to get firewood, and they're like, Where do we get it? And he's like, You're in a forest. You can get it anywhere. It's like, But maybe yeah. you shouldn't take your children on your research trips if you're going to be like this.
1: I don't even know if they go to school ever. Yeah. Dad goes, Everything is fine. No thanks to either of you. It's like, But he's Richard is his name because he's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I just really keep thinking about what is Arlstein's relationship to this guy. He's written 10 books, which I think from Arlstein's perspective, is not very many. Yeah. he yeah. So he's a folklorist. He collects stories
0: from all over the world and publishes them. He has very much a sense of his own importance. Like later, he'll introduce himself as Professor Richard Swart. Yeah,
1: that was a surprise at the end. So when he's telling a story, he, he says in it, like, Justin was big and athletic and his sister was really tiny and whiny. Mm-hmm. And now that I know that that was the dad telling the story, like, what an asshole. Yeah. So then we get the sort of context. They're in quote unquote, Boravania, which is in Europe,
0: looking for the lost legend. It is an old manuscript in a silver chest and no one knows what it's about because it's lost. But this is not how folklore works. Like you, you're you supposed to talk to people and write down what they say. Like, that's the entire point.
1: Well, he's got down the part where you take credit for it. Yes. You know, you profit off of other people's creative labor. I mean, no offense to folklorists. I think folklorists probably tend to, at least in this century, feel like they should credit people. But... Yeah.
0: We also learned that he's been using a a machete
1: to hack through the forest like they're in some fucking jungle. I don't think he should have a machete. Someone with his small man syndrome. He's not even small is the thing. Yeah. But inside he may be his. Well, he's convinced that this is going to be the discovery that brings him so much fame. And this is, I think,
0: the most sort of fantastical idea (laughs) of them all, which is that everyone in the world cares about a book.
1: Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Alvin Schwartz made a lot of money collecting folklore. Yeah, he did. I just don't think the whole world was waiting to hear, like, no. what did
0: you learn in Appalachia? That's right? true. But yeah, no, so excellent folklorist. I am very grateful for his work
1: Yeah, and, and the illustrator that he his, found. And his extensive footnotes, too, which I didn't appreciate as a kid. And now I'm like, well, these are the most interesting part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, But Dad, I think maybe part of why he's so irritable at his kids is because he knows that he's making their lives pretty unstable. And so he's really hoping this will be the windfall that allows him to justify the risks he's taken for their family. You're attributing quite a lot to him in terms of sensitivity and sense of guilt and <laughs> I mean all fair that. enough this is a guy who pulls a beetle out of his beard a minute from now in the story did you catch that oh i missed it yeah there's a beetle in his beard like the... This does seem
0: like one of the hazards of having beards.
1: Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Especially the big like bushy ones that people are growing nowadays. Especially when you're camping and sleeping on the ground. Yeah. It's just like we've only ever seen that in beasts up till this story. As in in the last book. Exactly. Yeah. They go to bed. Justin
0: and Marissa hear a howl and he goes out to check it out. And it's a big white dog with one brown eye and one blue eye. It sounds like a husky.
1: Yeah, kind of like in My Hairiest Adventure where yeah. Lily had
0: one blue eye and one green eye. Yeah. Justin at this point remembers one of his dad's stories about a ghost dog which Marissa remembers it it. sorry yeah and Justin says it's stupid yeah it's about how people would be lured outside by this ghost dog but it turns out it was all these hundreds of ghost dogs were waiting for the people to come outside and then would eat them and so
1: yeah and this dog was really cute and cuddly and all of those ones were mean and ugly and scary and the last thing you'd see before you died was a cute cuddly dog laughing at you yeah and basically Justin is like but I want to pet the dog yeah and Marissa so she tells us the story and says it's one of dad's and Justin says it sounds like it's one of your stupid stories and mm-hmm. it's not one of his because it's too stupid but it's like I, I don't know I think she might be She might have, if it is hers it's a good story Yeah. but he's like doesn't want her to be a competition for dad's sort of successor
0: or to be sort of more familiar with dad's work than he is.
1: Exactly. Because it's almost like their dad has given them the impression that there is a limited amount of love and attention to go around. I think there is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Justin finds a collar on this dog and it has a note tucked in it that says I know why you're here. Follow Silver Dog.
1: Oh, Silver, Silver Dog. Silver Dog. It's one word. It's very cute. It is a very cute dog.
0: Um, But at this point, my notes say I'm very suspicious, Mr. Stein. Like, I was very much convinced that this whole book was going to be a fake out.
1: And, and to some extent, it was. But not
0: by Justin. Not just Justin just having a, like, quote, unquote, overactive imagination.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm glad it didn't go in that direction, too.
0: This is also what made me suspicious. They try to wake up their dad, and he's just fast asleep, and the dog seems to be leaving. So they decide to go after him. And for me, I was like, that's suspicious. But, you know. It just seems like their dad doesn't want to be bothered.
1: And Marissa remembers this story, which she also attributes to their dad, of the forest imp, who will put out a trail of flowers and candy and then lead children into the pit with no bottom, where they fall for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Which is a concept, you know, going back to the doom slide Mm -hmm. in Arlstein's work, which I think is really scary, but this idea of something happening forever. And then I guess after they die, they just keep falling, huh? Yeah. Dang. They go to follow Silver Dog.
0: Initially, Marissa is a little hesitant, but Justin kind of knows how to work her, which is to say, you're right, we should just go back to bed. And she says, actually, no, I'm, we're going. We're going after Silver Dog. So they start following Silver Dog. They get a little turned around because they figure out they've been following a deer. They freak out about getting lost. And Justin remembers that a lot of stories that their dad has told them are about children getting eaten by bears.
1: Yeah, that's what we call maladaptive coping, I believe, where <laughs> he tells kind of semi-sadistic stories to scare his children and feel powerful. Well, <laughs> Excellent. a a little yeah. bit, right? I mean, he's trying to keep them from getting eaten by bears, but it sounds like he also really likes to upset them. I don't know. I mean, I just think about how much I liked stories like that as a kid.
0: Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. And but also, they're scared. That's true. You should be scared being lost in a forest, though. Yeah, This is a right. dangerous situation. You're like, right. Maybe some of those stories are to keep children from wandering into a place where they could be eaten by oh, bears. Oh, yeah.
1: I think that is the point of a lot of them. That's true. Yeah, you're right. Maybe I'm, I'm overly critical of Dad. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. So they hear the dog. They run after him. They fall down a hill, and Justin is momentarily worried it's the pit with no bottom, but it's not. And <laughs> Justin says to himself, we're going to have a great story to tell our friends when we get home. The legend of two incredibly stupid kids.
1: <laughs> I was like, oh, it's not your fault. Yeah. Again, it is stupid to be running around in the forest where you don't know where you're going chasing a dog, but... <laughs> yeah, at least they're not ch- chasing a squirrel like kids in previous Goosebumps books. Although we will get a squirrel later. It's true, and it will be chased. Mm-hmm. Also, I like that Justin thinks Silver Dog's expression seems to say, what is your problem? Why can't you two jerks keep up with me? <laughs> eventually silver dog brings them to a cabin and
0: they go inside it's you know got witch and a fairy tale vibes you know, and bubbling crusty, cauldron
1: yeah and crusty bread
0: yeah and then a woman in a viking hat comes out and says i've caught you
1: yeah it's like ren fair prairie core mix of a person <laughs> uh but she's just kidding and i liked her i,
0: was, she's like, I thought ah, you
1: would i just i can't help it yeah she says i can't resist a really mean joke how come i think it's fine when she does it but not when dad does it maybe because she's not their parent yeah, and because she's like, I was joking. It was funny. Yes, that's, you know? I think that's it. It's the, It's a very different spirit Yeah. that
0: she does it in. She says she knows everything that happens in the forest. Her name's Ivana, and she gives them soup, makes a joke about it being poisoned. Chicken noodle soup. And, and then she talks about how she can read the noodles like they're tea leaves.
1: Yeah, but she doesn't tell them what they say. No. But she says, you have to eat up because you have a test in Fantasy Forest.
0: Yeah, a survival test.
1: At this point, I was like, oh, so it is like Legend of the Hidden Temple. Yeah. kind of. They're kind of in a game show. Maybe they are in a game show. Maybe this is also on the Monster
0: Channel. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Then <laughs> a creature named Luca busts in. So he's a hairy boy, question mark, who, Like a young man. Young man who she says was raised by wolves. And later we'll find out he hops like a bunny.
1: Which actually... So if you... Read up on feral children which I have spent a upsetting amount of time doing I just had a fixation for a while um, this one girl Jeannie who was a feral child when she learned how to walk she would hop like a bunny really yeah I'm not I don't know why yeah uh, but just thought that was a surprising coincidence oh wow but one thing that is true for fe- some feral children is their gaits are unusual mm-hmm. you know people say that like, it's animal-like in some way but it's mm-hmm. like well it's just different from normative human gait oh interesting so I wonder if that's just something that's learned the way language is learned is an upright walk mm-hmm. or a specific kind of gait. that or I could imagine because when when was that case from the I want to say 60s or 70s.
0: Oh, okay, so you also never know what the researcher is putting onto that. But I don't know that's recent enough that maybe it's accurate.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've seen pictures of her photographs of mm-hmm. her. I think there was one that was like that demonstrated her hopping but mm-hmm. I might be misremembering. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I was just really glad the Luca story didn't continue forward with this idea of him being a disabled, yes. feral child type adult, because this story was going in a really fucked up direction. Mm-hmm. And, and, and obviously that fucked upness still persists, even though we get the man behind the curtain reveal. Also, is he naked? <laughs> I mean,
0: we get the sense that he... So we, we learn later that he's wearing fake fur. I don't know. I think... We get no mention of whether he's wearing shorts or something. Yeah. Don't know. Don't have that data. Cause, Okay, well. Well, it, the children do not remark on it either way. So they go to sleep and in the morning they wake up there outside. It's uh, like
1: a video game. They just like appear in the yeah. forest with two backpacks.
0: Yeah. And Luca is supposed to take them somewhere and then he takes off after a squirrel. <laughs> and then at that point, Marissa notices that there's a, a note sticking out of Justin's pocket and it says, keep Luca with you and you'll pass the test. Lose sight of him and you're doomed. Another More helpful one of, notes.
1: I think another one of Ivana's jokes, maybe. I think so
0: too. And then there are all these nuts around, which is what had attracted the squirrel.
1: A bunch of walnuts that are weirdly hot, like a Martian egg, I noted. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out they are eggs. And they hatch open and there are mice. So my question was, are squirrels carnivorous in this place? They must be. Yeah. yeah if they were, Because the, the squirrel doesn't think it's a walnut. Yeah. Actually, they're not even really mice. So maybe no. squirrels... The squirrel might also not be real. Maybe robot squirrels eat robots. Mm. Robot mice. That's an upsetting thought. Like, like, how is the
0: digestion
1: process working? Probably with a lot of sparks. <laughs> yeah i don't know what how a robot metabolism would work well maybe it was just again a a fake out to get luca away i could see sorry i still want to make this work a (laughs) robot could feed on another robot by sucking out its charge Mm -hmm. and then
0: charging its own battery
1: exactly (laughs) so that could be it
0: okay Um, (laughs) There's this sort of scare where Justin falls and he's covered in baby mice, which, I mean, to me was not super scary, but I can see how it would be. I
1: would be upset yeah, because of seeing the bone collector, I think it was, where the person gets eaten by a bunch of rats.
0: But they turn out to be mechanical. They have on-off buttons on their bellies, which I think was maybe his way around thinking about, if he falls on all these baby mice, they're obviously going to be crushed. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I thought about that too, but I guess they were not crushed.
0: Yeah. It is okay. They get out of the mice thing and he decides to take a few with him because scare people at school.
1: And the kids step on on them uh, as they run and then uh, justin's like but i didn't care because i knew they weren't real that is not what shocker on shock street has led us to think of, of artificial intelligence mm-hmm. it's definitely led us to think much more complexly about you know having a consciousness as a robot yeah so they take off they run into a tree trunk it turns out the trees are also made out of plaster yeah because it almost it falls onto marissa and justin thinks i've killed her but yeah. i guess it doesn't hurt to have a giant plaster tree fall on you i feel like it would it's hollow it must be really lightweight yeah. like Maybe it's a... Um,
0: Plaster's not super heavy or... Yeah, or it's like know. Plaster of Paris, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, one of the trees seems like it has bats in it, so they run
1: away. They're about to cross this shallow stream, but they get stuck as they're crossing it. They start sinking into the mud, like quicksand kind of, and then they hear some big thumping footsteps coming up behind them and a shadow falls over them, so something's chasing them like it sounds like a dinosaur. It's giant black cats. Which is pretty scary too. This is also making me think
0: about, this must be how our 10-pound dog Mina sees the world? Yeah. Like, just like, oh my god, it's this is giant thing
1: coming to kill me. That's true. Like, yeah. that guy that stopped to try to pet her today and she was like, go away! Go away! And then he yelled at her Yeah, he for, was, like, quite a bit. He was like, it's a barker! It's a barker! It's like, fuck you! Yeah, she's barking because you're huge and yeah. annoying. Yeah, and she doesn't want to be touched. It's and anyway. not small dogs that are the problem. It's large <laughs> people. Yeah. Also, okay, so I know that the idea of the tree falling on his sister is scary, but I think there's something extremely scary about realizing you're on a set, Yes. right? That the entire world around you is fake. Yeah. Even while they're stuck in the stream, Marissa can see a plug like it's a bathtub. She just can't reach it. So someone is messing with you.
0: Someone has designed this to freak you out. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, so the cats pick them up, but they're sort of tossing them around. Yeah. Playing with their food. Yeah. They're about to eat them, but Justin throws some of the, the mice from... The bag onto the floor and the cats get distracted. But they really almost go down these cats' throats. Like, mm-hmm. they're on their tongue about yeah. to get eaten. Yeah. And then so they run. They find Ivana's cabin. And it turns out she's a wind-up doll. She has a, a
1: you know, a key in her back that you
0: turn to make her go. And
1: I put, this book is so much better than I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's not my aesthetic, even, and we're getting through it very quickly,
0: there's a lot of plot in here. Mm-hmm. Luca shows up, he says, congratulations on passing, and he's sort of
1: taken off his costume. Again, this is where I was like, is he wearing something under the face? <laughs> <form?">
0: <laughs> I hope so. He says he and his family built this part of the forest to keep out the unworthy.
1: And they've lived in the forest for hundreds of years, which is very different from, I felt like this is almost how to kill a monster from the monster's perspective, right? Uh Where it's like, we've been living here for hundreds of years and people come in and try to take stuff or set up shop. And so now finally we're getting a story that's from the perspective of someone trying to defend their homeland rather Uh than someone trying to become famous off of it. Yes. I mean, it is from the perspective of Justin who's trying to become famous off of it, but we're actually getting the perspective of Luca who's like, please don't. Yeah.
0: So then Luca says, here's your, here's your treasure. He gives him a silver chest and he says, silver dog will lead you back. Just be careful. There are thieves, real and fake thieves in the woods. (laughs) They don't even look inside, which bothered me. They
1: just assume the lost legend is in there.
0: And then on their way back, Justin thinks they're being
1: followed. It turns out it's by their dad. Which is scary, too. Which is scary. Yeah, Justin trips and drops the chest and this large man catches it, Mm -hmm. but it turns out it's their dad. So they open it, but inside is an egg. Arlstein has been on the egg train recently. He really has. Again, (laughs) I think he likes egg salad. And maybe just when he's working, sometimes there are eggs in the room. So they go back to Luca and he
0: says. Oh, you didn't want the eternal egg of truth?
1: And they're like, no, this isn't the Garden of Eden. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm just like, you don't have any follow-up questions about the eternal egg of truth? Okay. And maybe they should get it. Because if you open the eternal egg of truth, wouldn't you also learn what the story was? Like, if it, if it holds all I don't truth? know. I don't know how it works.
0: Hmm. Luca directs them to where the people who have the legend are and he says they move around a lot I think they're in this place but you know they're really not going to want to give it up
1: and dad's like I just want to talk to him I just want to see it with my own eyes he sounds like the anthropology grad students in midsummer like yeah oh I just I'm just gonna take a look I'm definitely not gonna steal this they'll
0: probably let me borrow it for like three weeks right they find the people and dad is like I am professor Richard Clark and I'm searching for the lost legend they immediately give it to him yeah, they just
1: shove it into his hands they're like, like
0: cool bye. <laughs> yeah so they open it and says whoever owns the lost legend will be lost forever
1: Mm -hmm. and they're lost that's what you get for having a bad dad (laughs) lost in the forest you know we'll get into this but i just think it's interesting that they're looking for a work of fiction and rejecting the egg of truth Mm -hmm. this is a very allegorical setup to this story that we could probably unpack Mm -hmm. and here we go to do it let's do it horror taxonomies first off i had folklore so things like scary stories to tell in the
0: dark the Brothers Grimm fairy tales; these are, uh, yeah, stories that were passed on orally that have been since written down since about the 19th century.
1: And also, yeah, within families, right, which mm-hmm. is how the kids are getting their dad's stories. And I really loved the moments that we got in this where here's
0: a little fairy tale or something that dad has collected that is is not a story that you're necessarily familiar with, but just like we're just tossing out these tiny stories.
1: I liked that too. I had a related one, which was narratives of warning, which can range from things like the babysitter would be a, a different urban legends are modern examples of narratives of warning where you're being told don't do drugs or else children will die or something. And then the older versions are these folk tales like you're saying. I think they even mentioned Hansel and Gretel somewhere in this mm-hmm. story. But that was the big one I thought of because it also is about withheld parental love, right? Yeah. Um, which is a central theme of this story. Also, it's funny because Arlstein, has explicitly said, he doesn't like to have morals in his stories. So it's interesting that this is one that plays up stories that are explicitly about about teaching you to do something or not do something. As we have been taught them, right? Because they yeah. were not originally. Originally, they were also not meant really to have morals. Right. But the way dad's telling them, they do. Yeah. Like, don't get eaten by a bear. Don't follow an imp. I
0: guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you really have to extrapolate there because, I mean, the don't follow an imp, like, that's a stranger danger story,
1: right? Well, and it is true, I guess, that following a dog actually turns out to be fine for them in yeah. this one. Trust dogs. And Ivana. Yeah. Robots, I guess. Uh, another one I Trust had- Trust your robot overlords. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Do you think there are robot overlords in the Gooseverse? God, who knows? There are definitely scientists who are working on robot overlords.
1: Yes, I would agree. And the other narrative of warning I thought about was the Flying Dutchman, because the Flying Dutchman is a ship that's doomed to wander forever, much like the people in the story who have the legend. And and I think in that case, it was punishment for the captain of that ship being bad in some way. Mm -hmm. And so here it would be punishment for the dad. The captain of his family <laughs> being greedy. Because, yeah, they're almost out. They have a cool treasure. Yeah, they
0: could have just had that cool egg. And the, and the dad didn't actually have to do any test. It was the kids
1: who were tested, and they're also, despite passing the test, they're still cursed. It's dark. I hope that the you know the rest of the story goes better for them. Yeah. Because maybe the dad just owns the legend and they don't. Yeah, maybe they end up eating their dad. Who knows? (laughs) Who can say? That was a surprising direction for you to
0: take that. (laughs) I don't know why it popped into my head. I'm not gonna question it. So I had more sort of related taxonomies. Retellings of fairy tales, because in some ways this felt like one, right? Where, you know, the children wander off into the forest and they meet these creatures. I was thinking of the film from a couple of years ago, Gretel and
1: Hansel. Ah, yeah, I thought yeah. about that,
0: too. Victor LaValle's The Changeling, mm-hmm. which also oh, involves that book. Yeah, telling and pursuing legends and...
1: Being dangerously misled by them, too. Mm-hmm. Or, or this idea that even if you know the legend like in the changeling it's not gonna stop it from still happening to you yeah you might just be a story might be attached to you because you are the person who's going to fall prey to it mm-hmm. yeah I had another folklore related one which is cunning folk mm. so the like pe- hidden folk no like people who, who have medicinal or herbal or magic knowledge oh, okay um, throughout Europe often persecuted by the church at various points sometimes more stringently than others so for example in England, Cunning folk, cunning men and cunning women, were more persecuted during the Tudor period and the sort of witch hunts that followed. Um, What? (laughs) Sorry. Just the cunning linguist joke popped into my (laughs) head. I'm sorry. None of them linguists. (laughs) So some examples of this I would have would be the witch. So all those Uh ladies, speaking of cunning linguists in the movie The Witch, all those ladies out in the cabin. Some other examples by someone who's obsessed with quote-unquote Nordic-ness uh-huh. um, would be some folks from Lord of the Rings. So Tom Bombadil. I also had Lord of the Rings on here. Oh, and Galadriel. So Galadriel is very much a version of Ivana who's like, I know what's happening in my forest, you know? <laughs> and Tom Bombadil is a lot like Luca because he's mostly just wants to to protect his own lands. He does not really understand the concept of other people's well-being so you know he's super casual he's like yeah i mean i don't think they'll want to give it to you but yeah go ahead there's where these people are (laughs) right yeah those were, those were some of the
0: connections I had. I had a slightly different connection to Lord of the Rings, which is the treasure ends up being a curse, right? Yeah. Because they're carrying the ring, but it's actually this object of temptation and destruction as opposed to... Like, you don't want the ring to actually be ruling everything. You want to destroy it. Right. Uh, similarly, there's Hellraiser, where this puzzle box is... And it's, it's, it's spelled out a little bit more in, in the novella, The Hellbound Heart, where it's supposed to bring the sort of, like, ultimate pleasure, but it ends up being... This door to something that is completely beyond the realm of the human imagination, uh, including, you know, beings who can no longer distinguish between pleasure and pain. And then also you are taken by it. You know, you don't have any free will anymore. You don't live in the world anymore. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I should read that. It's good.
1: Yeah, I was thinking a little bit about Clive Barker because the universe that they're in, Brovania, reminded me a little bit of the one from that story about... In the Hills of Cities. In the Hills of yeah. Cities, Yeah. A similar kind of, I don't know, I feel like there's this Anglophone world thing that's very suspicious of and uncomfortable with a kind of blended idea of the Eastern Bloc slash (laughs) Scandinavia as being a place where spooky stuff happens. Like Mm -hmm. even in this book, the kids are like, well, we're in a forest in Europe. That is where werewolves would be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I had a similar one to what you're describing, which is left holding the bag stories. Mm -hmm. So stories where there's someone who tricks you into being trapped in their place Yeah. And I know there are tons of stories like this, but I was like racking my brain to think of an example of one. And the only one I could think of was Double Double Toil and Trouble, the Mary-Kate and Ashley (laughs) movie, which involves Cloris Leachman playing her own twin. And there's like an evil version of her and a good version of her that's trapped in a mirror and they trick them into switching places. I also did not realize that Will from Will and Grace played their dad in that movie. Really, yeah, wow. I, I would not have recognized him at the time, obviously it was, it was before Will and Grace, but anyway, yeah. you know that that those type of stories, yes, exactly, yeah, another common folklore trope also.
0: Yeah, I was thinking, again, the first thing that came to mind from mythology was one of Hercules' tasks, he's got to get something from Atlas, and Atlas is like, okay, well, you hold the world then. Yeah. And then he's stuck. And he's, and like, he's like, sucka. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And then Hercules, oh, can I just adjust adjust my, my toe yeah. real quick? And then Atlas takes it, and he's like, bye. Yes, exactly that. Yeah, left in a position that you don't want to be in.
1: Mm-hmm. And realizing now you, you're going to have to trick someone else, right? Mm-hmm. Like in uh, The Barking Ghost. Yeah, yeah, in this book and the previous one, we're seeing Arlstein retread some of the same territory. Mm-hmm. Did you have others?
0: Yeah, so I had animal familiars or helpers. Mm. I thought the first thing came to mind was hocus pocus. So I guess we're on a like kids <laughs> movie train, and also most everything with either a witch or a children's
1: movie. You yeah, know? just
0: having animals around to show you stuff because like ah, they're connected to nature, but also they're friendly.
1: Right. You know? Yeah, it's like this safe place that is between the two, right? Yeah, and which Luke- is how
0: people think of dogs, right?
1: Well, it's interesting that Luca is a variation on that, right? But like mm-hmm. the bad version of it, where it's scary to people to think of a human that's regressed to animal, but not of an animal that's been brought closer to human. Right. It's okay for an animal
0: to be raised by humans, but not humans to be raised by animals.
1: Well, I wonder if that seems just as fucked up to wolves. Or dogs. Like, to wild dogs, to see, like, a dog that seems like it's degraded to part human. I was even thinking domesticated dogs. (laughs) If they just think, oh, this is fucked up. Yeah. I have to sit and stay. Yeah, exactly. Do you have any more? So I had stories about storytelling itself as Mm -hmm. a plot point, which I'd like to get into a bit more as we get into theories. But I thought of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, the movie, Mm -hmm. which was about the collection of stories, right? And then also I thought of Page Master, Yeah. I guess in a lot of cases, stories like this are about the danger of storytelling. And Arlstein, as a storyteller himself, I'd be interested in thinking about looking at this book, what does he think are the dangers and potentialities of storytelling? In this case, it seems like he's saying storytelling can get you lost forever. You can just end up stuck in a story or with Mm -hmm. a story like an anchor almost or an albatross right and uh, in in page master it was like stories were a way for a kid who was afraid of having adventures to be able to have them in a way that he felt safe doing Mm -hmm. you know yeah i don't know if you have any thoughts about that but what is this book saying about what storytelling is. I wonder if there's a
0: distinction to be made between The Lost Legend and other kinds of stories because the reason they're going after this one is to be famous. And they don't even know what it's about. I'm not really
1: sure. I mean, I know arl would just say it's just a fucking treasure story, like treasure adventure story. There's no meaning. But all the pieces come together for him because there is a meaning, even if he hasn't thought about what it is. For
0: sure. And I'm trying to think back to some of the other stories. For example, on Headless Ghost, all of those stories that get told in the course of the story, what do those do? Like They tell you about where you are. They set Set up the haunted house. They're doing something different than the lost legend is doing in this book.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, in those cases, they're kind of giving you an opportunity for different ways of thinking about the subgenre that we're in. So a ghost story or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like here are some different versions of that. Whereas here, we don't actually get the lost legend. So it's like this. It's
0: not. Yeah, it's not a story that you read. It's a story that it's an object. It becomes a burden. Like they're not actually looking. It's like for Moby the story. Dick, right? Yeah, yeah. They're looking for the object, not the story.
1: Right. Like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that I'm not actually going to be aware of what Arlstein Stein is about, right? But I guess if we think about the story itself, it seems like it's a story about wanting to achieve the perfect story or the most exciting story, the one that's going to have some kind of revelation in it. And then this idea that, that that's not actually, there's like either no such thing or it's not accessible or that's a trap to fall into.
0: I mean, I wonder if that's related to his ethos of I don't write anything from the heart. Right. Or it's like, well, if I were to just pursue the perfect, story i wouldn't have written over 300 books right i wouldn't have this whole series i'd be i would Ooh. not yeah i would i'd be lost
1: so this is like his it's like a cross between a kunstler roman and then roman yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you say it? kunstler kunstler roman and then you know the path he didn't take though right like if i had continued down that path i'd be lost in brovania yeah um but instead i've i churned out this book too <laughs> yeah
0: let it be a lesson
1: yeah. Or not.
0: Did you have any other taxonomies? Yeah. My last one was fake or simulated nature slash everything yeah. is an illusion. So I was thinking so about. Creepy. Yeah. Willy Wonka, where mm. it appears to be this Wonderland and everything's edible. Uh, Jason X, where yeah. he, uh, they create the fake Camp Crystal Lake for him with the yeah. girls who are like, I just love
1: premarital sex. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a hollow deck kind of thing.
0: Yeah. And then the last one is the episode of The Twilight Zone called A World of Difference, where this guy is going about his normal life and then all of a sudden he realizes he's a famous actor portraying all. Yeah this stuff and gets really freaked out because he's like, I want to go back to that other life that is an illusion.
1: Yeah, well, and that's interesting. If you see Luca as a character similar to Dad, they are also both really hairy. Luca has realized his illusory world and is living in it, right? And it's working on people and he seems to be happy with its effectiveness whereas Dad is trying to get someone else's illusory world, right? And kind of live on that.
0: And share it with people but in a way that is not simulated, right? It's on the page as opposed to a lived experience.
1: Well, and I also like I mentioned before I think that that's one of the scarier parts of the story is the moment where they realize the entire world around them is fake because it just puts you so in the palm of someone else's hand Mm -hmm. they've kind of become characters in a story which I guess they are But (laughs) (laughs) my last taxonomy point was Indiana Jones yeah this is an Indiana Jones story Mm -hmm. you know they're looking for a chest out in the forest it's uh, also we got a bad dad story right and much like Henry Jones Sr this is a dad who says you know I just want you to be Self reliant when really he's just not that interested in parenting or putting his own needs second. Their
0: experiences of actually getting the lost legend also reminded me of them finding the grail. Yes. And, you know, having faces melted and such.
1: Right. And as we talked about before, wait, wasn't that the Ark that made the face melt? The Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, as in... Well, me- the
0: grail, one of the grails like makes people die
1: if you pick the wrong one, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. You watch those movies more than I did. I watched them maybe once except for Temple of Doom, which for some reason I saw more than once. Whereas I haven't finished an Indiana Jones movie <laughs> aside from Crystal Swole- Skull because I saw that in a movie theater. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I watched them because I had brothers, not because I was into it. (laughs) Well, I liked the idea that I just got bored watching the movies. Yeah, me too. Which is why I can't remember which one goes with which. (laughs) Well, I do know that Arlstein, as we've talked about, wrote a bunch of Indiana Jones books. So I feel like he was drawing on them for Mm -hmm. this. Do you have any shared universe? What do you think is
0: up with the egg of truth? Like, eternal egg of truth. Is that at all related to any of the eggs we've seen recently? Mm. And follow up, is it edible?
1: I think everything's edible to something, probably. I think that... It was the eternal egg of truth. Mm-hmm. If it's eternal, maybe it's not edible. Or an egg. Like, I mean, maybe when if it were to hatch, that would be the end of the universe or some kind of phoenix, mm-hmm. thunderbird type yeah. of rebirth of the universe of truth. I mean, it sounds like it's a thing that would tell you like provide you with insight or knowledge. So they probably could have hung on to it. Mm -hmm. It would have been beneficial.
0: Yeah. Probably could have told them about the lost legend.
1: Yeah. I don't think it's related to the eggs we've seen so far because the eggs we've seen so far were sentient and (laughs) had, I don't know, bad rapey impulses. (laughs) Right? We didn't spend this much time with that egg. Maybe that's why it was locked in a chest. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, what did you think of it?
0: I don't know. I, I, We saw it for so little time, I was not sure.
1: I just really think it's one of those things where where it makes the most sense to me is in comparison to the fictional legends that this father is looking for, the thing that this alternative father, Luca, is giving them is truth. Yeah. And they're like, well, I'm less interested in truth than in my dad approving of me.
0: Also in the fantasy forest, you're coming looking for stuff that really doesn't or is only rumored to exist. So here you go.
1: Right. Even though the things in the forest are fake, they're also real, right? Mm -hmm. They're physically real. And he doesn't seem to really go to that much effort to keep you from recognizing, oh, that's a plaster tree. Oh, this river has a plug in it, right? He's not really hiding the illusion. Mm -hmm. The egg of truth, I feel like, is just Luca's what he's got to offer.
0: Nice.
1: Thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, I have a question for you, which is a series of questions. (laughs) are the Camp Nightmare people or Dad from Shocker and Shock Street in any way related to what Luca is doing? How deep does this kind of conspiracy of fake humans and fake living beings go? Like, are we looking at a Stepford situation in the Gooseverse? You know, how many people that we've encountered are actually robots at this point? Oh, that last one is a good question, especially. I'm not sure. I think that...
0: There isn't involved is not involvement from Camp Nightmare or Chakra Shock Street because this seems a lot more like a just a family operation, like DIY, mm. like like maybe that's why the trees are like very clearly hollow and plaster and can fall apart. Because so they're like, we gotta make do with what we have here.
1: So it's like a crappy roadside museum version of Shock Shock Street. Yeah,
0: slash cause Ivana with the, the key in her reminds me of just like a big toy. So yeah. it's like at best it's like here's some like toy maker from like the forest of Bravania who's like, oh, I'll make my, my my larger toys or whatever. Yeah. So I think I think it's not as high tech. Right. Like I bet Ivana just has like a set repertoire of jokes and if it doesn't make sense, they're like, ah, she's just a jokester. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But the question of who is real and who's a robot, oh, I, I, I
1: don't I don't don't even think we could begin to know. I think it would be interesting had we whirled enough in time to go back through the goose verse and identify who's a robot. Mm-hmm. Like, remember the kid in Say, Cheese, and Die who they're saying, oh, his jokes never make sense? Yeah. Maybe that's because he's also programmed and (laughs) not quite perfectly. I also think Greg was a little hard on his jokes. That's true. (laughs) Uh, I was also wondering, relatedly, how many of the cryptids in the Gooseverse are actually a person in pasted on hair? (laughs) I hope it's all of them. Like the Abominable Snowman. Or the monster from the last book. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I thought yeah, when you read that one. Yeah. Or the beasts from the East? Like, yeah. Any of these could just
0: be people in costumes. Yeah. They just, like, there are people LARPing and people who don't understand yeah. that that's what's happening.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, what a... I feel like if there's one consistent theme in the Goose Verse, it's that you cannot trust anyone or anything to be what it claims to be, right? Yes. And so anyone around you could be a monster or could be a monster in disguise or a person in disguise as a monster could all be robots. Or buyer beware, right? Caveat yeah. emptor. The things that you purchase might not be safe. Mm-hmm. There are no environmental regulations. Right. I don't think Arlstein would call it a lesson, but it does seem like a, a point he's trying to get across. It's the era of trust no one, right? Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very of its moment. Mm-hmm. Man, do you want to hear something fucked up, goose GoosePunks? We were reading the um, Wikipedia page for
0: the new world order. The new world order. Because of a movie we were watching, not just like out of and because it's interest. like,
1: well, it's becoming something well, yeah, people yeah. are more into than they should be. Yeah, and so we were reading the history of these conspiracy theories, which date you know way back, but part of how they got popularized into mainstream discourse was via the X Files.
0: Yeah, it felt very gross. It made me so
1: sad because yeah. I loved the X Files so much. Any other theories and queries? No, not for me. How about you? Well, I just want to know where Brovania is based on your knowledge of <laughs> yeah. Europe. I feel like it is somewhere.
0: I mean, the classic answer would be actually somewhere in the Black Forest, which would put it somewhere in Germany. Mm. I also, Vania
1: means forest, right? I'm
0: not sure. Like Pennsylvania is woods. woods. Well, also because the other option for me would be Romania and Transylvania or adjacent to Transylvania. It just it, it does feel sort of that region to me, even though it has the, the slightly more Eastern European sounding name.
1: Yeah, that's what I was confused by, because we have this Viking woman on the front, but this Eastern European-sounding name, and also Ivana sounds Russian to me, mm-hmm. so I couldn't quite place the array of cultural touchstones that were being folded into whatever fears this is standing in for. Yeah,
0: it has, like, all of that says Eastern Europe to me, and but the, just the fairy tale stuff to, is a little bit Black Forest, so yeah. I don't know, but but Eastern Europe probably does make more sense.
1: What do you think in 1996 would be the associated concerns with the region
0: in the eyes of an American. Like, ongoing democratization slash imposition of capitalism. Mm. How can corporations move in and, you know, do some
1: business in places that have been communist only? Ooh, like dad's trying to do and being like take let me take your stuff and sell it so I can get super rich well yeah and also in
0: Russia especially a little bit earlier than this all the Soviet archives were opening so you could go in and see stuff
1: oh that's great yeah
0: so so you would have access to information that you wouldn't have had access to
1: during the Cold War I love that as a take on the last legend (laughs) and also that the people who have it are like yeah we'd like to not associate ourselves with this let's say you're the owner of this information (laughs) you are responsible for it
0: yeah we're moving on
1: right cool Well, what would you rate this Legend of the Lost Legend? Not the legend itself, which we never read, (laughs) but the book about it. 3.75? What if the book that we just read is the Legend of the Lost Legend? And now we're lost forever? No. no, Well, there's that. Whichever one of us owns the book is. But (laughs) what if when the kids read it, it's the book, the Legend of the Lost Legend?
0: Oh, that's really funny. It's supposed to be this really thick manuscript, and they'll probably be like, man, the font is really big.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I would... You said 3.75? huh Yeah, I would say about the same, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a lot better than I was expecting.
1: Me too. Oh, was there something you wanted to say about the back of the book? Oh, I almost forgot. Thank you. Oh, shit. Oh, wait. Here it is. Where's the book? Down there. Down there. You also
0: noticed the inside front cover, right? No. Oh, <laughs> our inside front cover, Alyssa just pointed out to me. Yeah, it says, dated 1998. Happy holidays.
1: Happy reading. Love, Mrs. Budman.
0: Oh, Mrs. Budman gave a gave a gift of a Goosebumps
1: book to some some little goosepunk out there. Well, if this was your teacher, let us know. If you are Mrs. Budman, let us know. So what I wanted to share was from so on the cover of our copy, it says, "Join the all new Goosebumps Fan Club." Details inside. <laughs> so I checked it out. Did you join? No, unfortunately, you can no longer join. But so it's it's a, Advertising for eight ninety plus $2 shipping and handling, <laughs> Curly's all-new and shocking Goosebumps fan club pack. Which I'd like to point out, that isn't... Is that... So the picture it has there is the dad from the cover of Say, Cheese, and Die, but it says Curly beneath it. Yeah, is that who Curly is? Well, Curly, in the other representations of him, that is not him. But... Something So something weird's happening here. We'll share this image, goosepunks and see if you can make sense of it. But I just want to point out that among the things you get in your fan club pack that it advertises, it's like you get a zipper tag, you get a notepad, you get a wallet, you get a glow in the dark pen. and then it says, "You get a shipping box <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's really funny, which that was pretty funny. Yeah, weirdly <laughs> it comes with it comes with Curly's bio and it has a picture of actual curly on that. But then here, yeah, it just misidentifies the guy in the chef's hat as curly. Weird. Unless that just is curly, like after he settled down, <laughs> or before he left his family. <laughs> yes. So anyway, Goosepunks, we have lots to ask you. Yeah. You know, send us your theories. Um, what are we reading next week? Oh, uh, Attack of the Jack Lanterns. It's so weird. We were just at summer camp, and now it's already time for Halloween. I know. I guess time flies in nineteen ninety-six. Time flies when you're in Brovania. Yeah.
0: You can get in touch with us by emailing at saypodanddie at gmail.com. Or
1: on Twitter and Instagram at saypodanddie.
0: And why not leave us five bewares on
1: Apple Podcasts and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps more people find the show and it helps us, you know, feel, feel affirmed. Yeah. Listener beware, those (laughs) were the scares. Good boo. Good boo. Are you crazy? Marissa cried. She spun away from me. We can't let the dog get away. It may lead us right to the lost legend. She grabbed my hand, gave me a hard tug, and started to run, pulling me across the clearing. As I ran after her, I tried hard not to let her see the big smile on my face. I knew my little trick would work with Marissa. It always does. If I ever really want to do something, all I have to say is, let's not do it. Marissa always disagrees with me, always. That makes it very easy to get her to do what I want. Dad said we weren't being helpful, she murmured. He was giving us a hard time because we wouldn't find firewood. What if we find the lost legend? Then we'll be helping him big time. Big time, I repeated. I pictured Marissa and me handing Dad the silver chest containing the lost legend. I pictured the shock on Dad's face. Then I pictured his smile. I pictured the three of us on the TV news shows. I imagined myself telling everyone how Marissa and I found the valuable old manuscript without any help from Dad. My boots clumped over the soft ground. I stopped when we reached the trees. There's just one problem, I told Marissa. She spun around. What's that? Where's the dog? Huh? She turned back to the trees. We both searched the darkness. The dog had disappeared.